This is Marfa Public Radio. We're coming up on the end of monsoon season out here in West Texas, and that means we've got about a month left to admire those dramatic summer storm clouds. But no matter the time of the year, the cloud show is always pretty spectacular in the Big Bend region. And like many others, former local Adele Powers always found herself looking up at the sky when she'd walk her dog here in Marfa. She's certainly a fan of clouds, but mostly she's curious about them. So she submitted this question to our West Texas Wonder series. How and why do clouds form? Are there some easy or basic tips for cloud identification? Marfa Public Radio's Sally Beauvais takes it from here. To start answering this question, I went on a walk down a dirt road with Ross Casciola. We've all been taking pictures of clouds out here, I'm sure, for, for ages. We're strolling along the northwest edge of Marfa at sunset, looking out over the acres of open grasslands that surround the city. This is like, this is like the best corner. We turn left, look up, and bam, there it is. A giant storm cloud with a rainbow shooting out of it. That one's the one. Cashiola is a co-founder of the West Texas Cloud Appreciation Society, which first and foremost is an Instagram account. Usually I'm driving down the road and I'll just stop and take a picture. (laughs) Sometimes I just post it straight to it and then I'm like, "Ah, I gotta do better than that. And you look at it and you're like, delete it. What's the point? He knows in some ways it's a futile effort, trying to capture the quality of something as massive as a cloud with his cell phone camera. The society isn't just a social media account, though, or a shirt sold at the local bookstore. It's a lo-fi art project. Really, the society's a state of mind. We're all part of it. You know, I think that everybody out here can't help but notice how beautiful the sky is just about at least once a day. Cashiola interacts with clouds the way most of us do. He doesn't know that much about them, what they're called, how they form. He kind of prefers to keep it a mystery. And that's what makes him different from our question asker, Adele Powers. If you know Adele, you know she has a tendency to ask big, fundamental questions about what forces of nature are and how they work. The world goes on around you and you realize that you don't know what it is. She says her question about clouds is just a part of her broader quest to know more stuff. I really want a smart scientist who can explain things to people like me who have maybe slept through their science classes in high school. (laughs) Can you blame her? You remember that moment when your middle school teacher would turn off the lights, roll in the squeaky TV cart, and turn on an earth science video that sounded like this. Only recently have scientists begun to understand the dynamics of these small clouds, the ways in which cloud droplets grow, and the composition of the invisible particles that trigger rainfall. That video was made in 1968, but the science still holds up. So let's start with the first part of Adele's question. How do clouds form? One thing you need to know is... Although we sometimes cannot see it, there is always moisture in the air. It floats across the hills and valleys as vapor. When warm air mixed with all this vapor rises from the Earth's surface, it begins to cool. The colder the air becomes, the less moisture it's able to hold. And at a certain point, it reaches what's called the dew point, the temperature at which the vapor condenses out of the air and forms a cloud. Got it? Okay. So how do we identify the different kinds of clouds? Rick Lujan is a meteorologist with the National Weather Service in Midland, and he will be our guide. Probably the most basic cloud that everybody is used to seeing is the cumulus cloud. 
cumulus clouds. They're the puffy ones we see most often in the summertime. They look like clusters of floating cotton balls. Typically, uh, you know, in the summertime, a cumulus cloud is anywhere from, you know, four to uh, 10,000 feet. And height is something you need to pay attention to here because clouds are often grouped by the altitude at which they form. Cumulus clouds hang out in the lower levels of the atmosphere, so do stratus clouds. Those tend to form in horizontal layers, and they're usually the culprit for overcast skies. They really don't have a shape. They just kind of cover everything. Moving up into the mid-level parts of the atmosphere around 15,000 feet, we start to see slightly different iterations of stratus and cumulus clouds. They're called altostratus and altocumulus. They're similar to their lower-level cousins, but they look a little different because they're higher up. Altocumulus, for example, often appear like a big blanket of many small puffy clouds strung together in a group. They're typically broken, um, so like sun can make it through or moonlight. They're just kind of in pieces. And at the highest level, between 20 and 40,000 feet, is where we find something called cirrus clouds. They're very thin, wispy clouds that kind of have the shape of, of the wind up there. You know the ones. They look like they've been painted on the sky with a paintbrush. They're so high up there in the atmosphere that they're actually made up of ice crystals. So there you have it, the basics. Puffy cumulus and blanket-like stratus are your low-level clouds. The similar but higher altocumulus and altostratus hang out in the middle parts of the atmosphere, and feathery frozen cirrus clouds are at the very top. But there's one kind of cloud that can stretch through every layer of our atmosphere, and that's called the cumulonimbus. It starts as just a general cumulus cloud, and it grows into what we call a towering cumulus. It's basically a really tall cumulus cloud. They're the massive thunderheads we often see in the summertime, and they can be a welcome sight because they usually bring rain. And then once it starts to precipitate or rain from it um, and turns into a thunderstorm, it gets even taller, and at some point, it will reach the top of our atmosphere that we live in, so the top of the troposphere. Usually, the rising air causing that cloud to grow can't break through to the next layer of the atmosphere. Cloud spreads out in all different directions. And uh, so that's why you'll typically see at the top of thunderstorms kind of these wispy clouds. Um, it's what we call the anvil of the thunderstorm. These clouds can produce some pretty intense thunderstorms. Occasionally, that updraft does break through the atmospheric cap and it shoots up into the next level, the stratosphere. So if you're driving along and you see that feathery anvil shape at the top of a thunderhead in the distance and an explosion of puffy clouds above that, you might want to pull over. Typically, those thunderstorms are, are very severe. You know, they can contain baseball, softball-sized hail, maybe even a tornado. For the violent storms they can produce, clouds can also be pretty helpful forecasters of the weather. They can get you a lot of Instagram likes. They can provide respite from the West Texas sun. They're also inspiration for some of our favorite songs. Our question asker, Adele Powers, reminded me of this one. Can you play that Joni Mitchell song? That's <laughs> like, I've looked at clouds from both sides now. West Texas Wonders, I'm Sally Beauvais.